Have you ever wondered why it can seem so easy to connect with some people and so difficult to connect with others? Whether it's your clients, potential customers, or even your kids, there is a brain-based reason and approach to delivering what people really want without you just hoping and winging it. In today's podcast, I'll show you a four-step method you can use to emotionally connect with people so that you can enjoy richer relationships and positively influence others while you achieve your dreams. Welcome to Playing Full Out, where you'll discover tips to break through the personal and professional barriers in a hectic world that are preventing you from leading your optimal vision of life at work and home. This is the podcast for passionate life travelers and leaders who want to live a deliberate, confident and fulfilling life and change the world while they do. I'm your host, Rita Hyland, and in each episode, we'll expose you to something new in the areas of passion, performance, and psychology that you can immediately apply to grow your life, love, and leadership. Hi, this is Rita, and welcome to our podcast on creating and cultivating and keeping key relationships. Yes, this conversation is all about connection and being able to to influence our most important relationships. I'll speak a lot in terms of clients, but know that our connection, regardless of it, whether it's with personal or professional relationships, is all the same because we're human in both circumstances. You know that in this podcast, we talk a lot about ultimately breaking through and out of your brain's deeply hardwired autopilot, those past patterns of performance and ways of thinking that are keeping you um, from your highest level of performance and happiness and peace of mind and impact. I'm going to speak specifically today on three things. And the first is helping you understand how it is that we really are making our choices and our decisions and why clients come to us and stay with us and how they make their decisions, and it's not what you think, you're going to discover some skills that you need to be able to transform relationships along with some really practical tools that you can apply right away on even your most difficult situations, be in clients or in your personal world. And then I'm going to help you learn how you can become that person, that person who leans into clients and becomes the new generation client relationship cultivator or just the new generation relationship cultivator, whatever that is for you. One of the greatest disservices and mistakes that I see to how we approach client relationships and our key relationships comes from conventional wisdom. And it's this belief that clients and people come to us and stay with us because we offer them something. We offer them a best product or fulfill an expectation or some type of deliverable that this equation that we are as good as our product. And that is why we have client success. If that were true, there would only be one provider of whatever it is that we are providing in that industry. And it would be quantifiably the reason and that everyone comes to only that one. There wouldn't be others, but we all know that we have lots of competition and we all know that we have lots of options of relationships that we're in. The reason that people are in relationship is because of their emotional connection. We make decisions based upon our emotions. Our Everything in science shows us that emotion guides every decision that we make. And I know that's hard to believe because we think that we're such thinking beings, 
But here's the part that's important to understand. There is a piece of our brain that is actually making decisions before it ever gets to our thinking mind. That is, we have three parts to the brain, the neocortex, the limbic brain, and the reptilian brain or the primal brain. And that primal brain is our subconscious brain. It's responsible for our habits of behavior. It is making decisions seven seconds before our brain can actually make a decision. So while you think that it might be the deliverable that you're handing over, the presentation or the paper or the you know, delivering something for your child, what's happened is in advance of that, there's been an emotional connection. There's a feeling of, and that connection is determined based upon the primal brain. Understanding how to talk to the primal brain is what will be your unique differentiator, your separator in terms of your ability to connect and therefore cultivate a solid client and keep them as well. The reason that it is so important, and and what we're basically saying here, I guess a good analogy to make is that people are buying the sizzle, not the steak. People want to be with you because of your sizzle, not your steak. It's not because you're six foot two and look like this. They want to know there is a feeling that they get from being with you. There is an emotional connection that they have. And if it's not there, then then it oftentimes doesn't matter how good of a product you are delivering. They will not know why, but they will not want to connect. The research shows that companies which do connect deeply with their clients perform better. And specifically, there was a piece of Harvard research that reported that analysts found that emotionally connected customers, they're more than twice as valuable as highly satisfied clients. So you probably, if you think about it, you probably have some really highly, you know, you have some highly satisfied clients, but if you have emotionally connected with them, they are twice as valuable than the ones that you currently have. And what that means is that when we say they're twice as valuable is they buy more products or services from you, or they're less sensitive to price. They may be less sensitive to your errors or mistakes that happen during the the terms of your relationship. And they recommend you to people in their social circles. So again, science shows us that emotions guide every decision that we make. So this conventional wisdom that people are using only their logic and thinking faculties to make decisions is just untrue. And I do understand why you may have fallen into this or believed this or lead from this old world wisdom because our industries have taught us that. And we've probably learned it from our culture as well. We, um, our parents, the, re- the but the re- simple reality is that the research is proving it differently and it matters. And why I discuss it is because when we understand this, then we can understand what our clients really want and how it is that they make decisions. I've seen this play out time and time again. And I've had during the course of my experience, specifically in the corporate world, where I was often, in essence, they were beneficiaries of trusts. And I would be making these decisions on whether or not they were going to get their money or not. It was obviously guided by the terms of a document, but a lot of it was discretionary and was somewhat subjective as opposed to objective. At a base level, they were irritated that they even had to probably talk to me. Other other challenging circumstances in, in that level of service was this, were there, was their investments. And were they at times, sometimes they wouldn't get the level of income that they wanted off their accounts. And so I was often dealing with difficult situations 
one of the things that I did first before I ever had a conversation, we ever, ever really talked about the meat and the potatoes or the steak, as I was saying, is that I emotionally connected with them. What people want to happen is they want to know that they are seen, that they are heard, and they ultimately want to be validated. So if you can see and hear and validate a person, doesn't mean you have to agree with them, but that you get them, you seek to understand and you know their feelings, you will be able, that's when, that is your ability to talk to that limbic brain or that the reptilian brain and make it feel safe. I don't think I gave the characteristics quite well enough of the reptilian brain, but it wants to be certain. It wants to feel safe. It's constantly looking to see what threats are out there. And it sees the opposite of a threat as something that's familiar, something that is reassuring, something that is calming. And if you and your relationship are that provider, then you will be able to move forward and having the type of relationship and the, being able to provide what it is that you need to provide and have the difficult conversations. If you don't, you're, you're automatically, no matter how fabulous your service or deliverable is, you're shutting the person down. Oprah, after, I guess, 25 years, she actually did more than 25 years of interviews, but she said that the number was up to 30,000 interviews over the course of her career. That what she found at the base level of everybody is that we want to be seen, heard, understood, and know that what we say matters to you. That's that validation that I was just speaking to. So in the difficult situations that I found myself in is the first thing I would say is, I get you. I appreciate what you're saying. I understand. And you can't fake it. You have to indeed really care. I'm going to give you some of the skills that you you need, but first let's talk about some of the mistakes that I see because the world is so dis, you know, overstimulated and overinterrupted and overwhelmed. Most of us are unable to truly use the skills and operate with the skills that I'm about to share with you. And so one of the first things that we have to understand is that we make these mistakes and why we make these mistakes is because we don't really seek to understand what our client wants. We presuppose and assume that it's the deliverable or whatever product or service we're giving. We become hyper-focused on delivering it and therefore we lose the connection. Oftentimes we can see clients as a commodity. I think we see them as this thing that we have to check off the list as opposed to real human beings that can happen in our overextended and stressed out world. We can also um, focus on being more interesting than interested. I think this is a really important first skill is how interested am I in them? Or am I simply, am I simply interested? I'm simply seeking to be interesting and interesting means self absorbed, but not as though we're, egotistical maniacs or narcissists, but simply that we are more consumed with what, where we're at than being absorbed in that person's best interests. And the final thing is, is that we aren't, we're making the mistake and the reason that we misconnect is because we aren't really talking to the decision maker, which is this primal brain. It's key to understand this fact that I'm about to share with you. Your primal brain is making all of your decisions. It's making decisions for you seven seconds before your thinking brain actually delivers or has a thought. 
So it's why you have habits that you can be telling yourself to do something and you just don't do it. Or you say, I'm not going to go for that beer tonight. And you still go, all, you're, all of a sudden you're pulling out the beer because it's a habit and you're not the one who's deciding. It's your primal brain that's deciding. It's the reason that you have behaviors that you want to stop, but that uh, happen anyway. Once you understand how to talk to the real decision maker, you'll be able to change this. So the first skill in order to, to employ, in order to really master your primal brain is to fall in love with your client. That means to decide in this moment to examine and respect and understand and empathize with how they see life. You've got to truly want it for them. And again, I'll say this as a client, but I want you to think of if this is a personal experience in your world, maybe it's your child. Maybe it's your spouse. Have you really fallen in love with them? So much so that you are in every second seeking to examine and respect and understand them and that you're really empathizing with how they see life. And do you truly want it for them? Or are you trying to be more interested a more interesting rather than interested. You can't serve or fall in love with your client if you don't do these things, if you don't want it for them very much. So you also have to see them as individuals with hurts and hopes and dreams and see yourself as the conduit to them fulfilling that. Only when we're really curious to get a full picture of who we are serving and who we're talking to and what they need and how to successfully meet them, only then are we going to succeed in really cultivating and deepening connections. What happens all too often in the pace of our day is that we can easily fall into, I just need to provide, like I said. So I'm going to give you a practical tool here. And the first tool in order to facilitate this skill of falling in love with your client is to set your intent. So before every meeting or client visit or client call or interaction that you have with someone that you love, a key person in your life, set a positive expectancy for what you want to happen. They can't talk, tell you how powerful this is because you are telling your brain to go out and become congruent with it. You're aligning your, your, your brain and your brain seeks to make things right. So be in advance, set expectancy. The meeting's an hour long meeting. I always go to the end of that meeting and see what is happening. We're shaking hands. We have heard each other. We're in agreement. Maybe there's a decision that's been made. Maybe there's a certain feeling that they're feeling calm, clear, confident, whatever that is that you want to imbue. But this is that piece where we're, setting the intention that these people feel that they have someone who is in love with them and sees them and understands them. Then the second skill is to understand your client's feelings. Now, this is a big one for many. They get very under, very confused on how we do it, what, that it takes deep intuition or psychic intuition or, you know, um, being a therapist or psychologist to understand another person. I'm going to give you three questions to ask yourself and another way to do this. And the more that you do it, it's like any muscle, you will become better at it. It's, you know, you, if you don't use it, you'll lose it. But there are some real easy ways to do this. How do you understand them? 
first you can start to understand what kind of a person they are. I mean, if you haven't done the DISC model training, there are four categories of individuals. Sometimes they're lined up. I always call them and have been trained on them as the birds. So you've got an owl, you've got the parrot, you've got a eagle, and you've got a um, dove. So the dove is more of a peacemaker. The eagle is a leader. The the owl is the fact-based, science-based, linear thinker. And you have the parrot, who's usually someone who brings people together, talker. I could give you examples of different ones. An owl is Hillary Clinton. Parrot would be Bill Clinton. If we talk in terms of presidents, what's the other? An eagle would be a Donald Trump. And there's many eagle presidents, actually, that we, we have. And then you have the dove. I think there's a lot of dove probably to Barack Obama. But with, what again, with the peacemaker. But when you understand these different types of people or their styles, you understand if they like a lot of information or if they like high level or if they want the detail, if they're an owl, you understand if they want it fast paced like an eagle does, or if they want you to go real slow. So being able to adapt and flex and be interested in what that person needs versus just doing it the way you want to do it and way that you are used to doing it is what we're doing here. Being able to build rapport with people that aren't just the same as you, but seeking to be more like them. Because when you're like them, you're familiar to them and that makes them comfortable. It calms the primal brain so you can have that next conversation. Think about it for yourself right now. Think about someone you like and that person, are they like you or someone you want to be like? I'm sure you're going to say yes. And then think about a person that you that that you don't like. Why is that? Are they not like you? Do they not share the same thought process, values, speed, style that you do? And the answer to that's probably yes. We, we like things that are familiar. We like things like ourselves. Now, some have asked in this question when we are asking in terms of the, the, the part of flexing, well, doesn't that make us fake or disingenuous or inauthentic? I don't believe so. I believe that we become interested in another person so much and we fall in love with them such that we adapt. There's no two people that are exactly the same. And so we're always morphing and adapting, whether we recognize that or not. And if, if we truly want to be in deep connection with people, I flex all of the time, but I'm completely authentic in my, in my adaptation because it's, it's, it's not that my values completely change. It's not that I'm lying that I love to go be a, a killer of people or something like that. I don't, it's not so so gross and large in the disparity it's 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 simply tweaking and showing that we understand we don't it's not about lying or being inauthentic it's seeking to understand and become like them one of the the three step questions i call that the the relationship activator is to ask yourself what is this person worried or concerned or afraid of this is how you understand them 
how, how are the, what it, the first one is how are, what are they worried, concerned, or afraid of? The second is how am I unwittingly contributing to that? And then third, what can I do to alleviate it? Now that you know why people are uncomfortable when they don't feel safe or there's not enough familiarity or there's too much uncertainty, you can know how to adjust that and how you can be the calmer of that. Give you an example. If someone has, for example, lost their, their job and they are your client, you need to understand what they're feeling in that moment. You need to, you might think I just need to show them how to do X, Y, Z, save enough money. But that client in that moment, is that what they really, really want? Are you being interested? Are you just making assumptions? And the way to know is to say, what could they possibly be worried, concerned, or afraid of? That, and there could be a lot of different things. Maybe that they're not, this isn't possible or that, or they start to sense your own concerns projected on them. So you ask, how am I unwittingly contributing to it? I am not, I, I'm not showing them or helping them see that this is, that they're going to be okay and that they are going to be safe and that we're going to work together. There's a difference between sympathy and empathy that Brene Brown makes that I think is really fabulous. Sympathy is when we say, oh, I'm sorry. Mm, that, you know. I'm sorry you lost your job. Empathy and being empathetic is how we show we understand. And empathy means this this is this stinks and I am sorry, but this is the reality. You are going to have us with you all the way through to the end. We have your back and we're going to work with you until you get through this. That's empathy. So being able to step into being an empathetic Client provider and is it really the way you're going to have true connection with your clients. What you're really doing is your need to be able to get into the head and the mind of the person that you're working with, whether it be a client or your child. I do it all the time. I consider my children some of my greatest teachers. I seem to be able to do work in my other relationships quite well, I think. Sometimes I'm challenged with and we get triggered and we'll have another whole conversation on triggers and, and why that happens. But I find that when I pause to try to see what's actually going on in their mind, that I'm able to then be able to articulate and know what to do next in order to calm them or to support them, which brings us to skill three, communicate your understanding of your client's feelings. It's one thing to simply know them, and to, uh, to understand their feelings, the next step is that we have to be able to articulate it. And that, again, is where empathy comes in. Empathy basically means that you're consciously thinking about how another person might feel and acting respectfully and thoughtfully accordingly. And if you want to develop this real sense of intimacy, like I'm talking about, in a closeness with another person, you have to be able to put yourself in their shoes I believe that empathy is really the foundation of successful relationships. So therefore, your ability to then communicate that understanding of them, that you are in their shoes and that you get them, is the next step. So get in the conversation they are already having in their head. It might look something like this. If I were you, I'd be wondering if, 
if we're going to be able to, to be with you all the way to the end, if you're going to be able to help me, if you're going to be okay with me changing my client manager, or if we're, if you're going to be able to help me do this, you, you're sort of speaking what it is, the conversation that they already are having in their mind. Yes. Are you with me? Hopefully you can relate. Imagine for a moment so that we're practical about this, a relationship that you have in mind. It can be a professional one or a personal one. If you fell in love with your client or that personal, that person, if you really cared and wanted for them and, and said, I'm going to be, I'm going to, this is my setting intention that we're going to move through this difficult phase. And then you sought to understand what it is that they're feeling. What are they worried or concerned or afraid of? Get over, that means getting over your own stuff and moving into, stepping into their shoes. And then thirdly, you stepped in and you, you communicated. I get that you're going through a hard time right now. And I'm really sorry. And I am, I'm going to be with you through it. I'm going to be patient with you. I'm going to, I'd like to help you. And maybe I'll just listen if that's what you need, whatever it is that you need. Then that person knows that you have seen, heard, understood them and are not just trying to fix and missing the connection along the way. Ego-based people spend more time proving themselves because they themselves are scared. They want to, the ego-based person is more interested in just getting things checked off the list, covering their own basis. And they're very much inner focused as opposed to externally focused on the other person. The thing is, and this goes into a slightly different topic, but our bodies feel other people's emotions. And there's a person, Julio Alelia, who says that emotions are contagious and that we catch them and we spread them. Being aware that people can feel your emotions. And if you're in, you're, you know, being internally motivated and it's all about you, they can feel that. You have to genuinely be empathetic. That will be a game changer for you. The fourth is to be self-aware. And it's a tough one because understanding emotions in others and communicating our own understanding of these emotions requires us to really be in touch with our own feelings. And the vast amount of people out there are not comfortable with emotions and are not aware of their own feelings and how to speak to them. And they certainly aren't fluent in communicating with others and staying with another person with them. And so improving and extending your own self-awareness and being in coming in touch with your own emotions is really key to improving connection and actually your professional and personal success. Research shows the numbers that at this point, your emotional intelligence, your ability to understand your own feelings and regulate them, and your ability to be empathetic with others, that's really what emotional intelligence is about, is four times more important than your skill and talent. Again, your your ability to regulate your own feelings and understand those feelings and to be empathetic and understand other people's feelings is four times more important than your skill, your talent, your IQ. So be aware that um, you don't have to be the most talented, but you do have to be very strong and, and emotionally connected with, with people because we are human beings. We aren't human doings. We aren't robots. 
And that's slowly getting more and more mixed. And our ability to help not only ourselves, but others to connect more, we'll also be able to pass that down to our next generation, which is so in need of deeper connection as well. So we can get really real here and we can make this compelling case that you're needed to, to lean in more to others and to care for them and to love them and to get out of your own fears. But we can provide evidence and it can be logical and rational and intuitive, but that doesn't mean that we're actually going to do any of the things that you just learned that you aren't, that we're going to actually go through a pattern that we haven't been or that we're going to break a pattern or that we're going to embed a new way of learning and that we're going to form a new habit unless something happens. And that is that we have to have inner and outer alignment. We have to be able on an identity level to become the type of person who does lean in, to become the type of person who is more interested than interesting, that person who is being curious, who is being empathetic. So it's who you're being first on an identity level that must change so that you will actually perform the actions and the tools and the practical level things that you want to do. The real question becomes, who do I need to be in order to be a relationship cultivator, a relationship nurturer, a relationship carer? Who is it that you need to be in your relationships? What qualities or characteristics, what one, in fact, would be the one that when you embrace it would change that most important relationship that you're thinking about forever? What would be the one that's the, the leverage? the lever? What would be the one that is the lever that would change it all? So again, let's go over those skills, the skills uh, to really develop and transform your relationships or to fall in love with the individual, care for them on a very emotional level, want for them. Second is to understand their feelings, understand the conversation that they're having in their mind by asking the three questions and who are they, what are they afraid, worried, or concerned about? How am I unwittingly contributing to it? And what can I do to help alleviate that? The second, the third skill is to communicate your understanding of their feelings speak what it is, that conversation that they have going on in their mind, you will see in it body release, relax, and then be able to be present for you in the next conversation. Finally, fourth, be self-aware. Do everything in your power. It's the best investment in you to be able to become more aware and to regulate and understand your own feelings so that you can be empathetic towards others. Something my mother always taught me is that she wanted me to be able to sit with both paupers and kings, as the saying goes. That is to be able to be both comfortable and make others comfortable from being in my presence. Something that is a skill that's cultivated and it comes from being able to be calm enough ourselves and have enough gas in the tank so that we can be present to those that are most important to us in our relationships so that we can emotionally connect 
especially in a world where the there's so much going on that we do become more often human doings and human beings. I encourage and invite you to take the action to emotionally connect in your relationships this week. I look forward to hearing about how using these skills and tools transforms your most important relationships. And we'll be back real soon to talk about our relationships and those that trigger us and how to deal with that. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to Playing Full Out. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes for more tips, tools, and inspiration to leading the optimal vision of your life, love, and leadership. And remember, a half version of you is not enough. The world needs the fullest version of you at play.